American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. So now I'm obsessed with time. Come on, tell me about the time. Had it all in my head tonight. Had the time of my life. When the words all come down like blues on Tuesdays. Welcome to another episode of American, American Timelines. Time this is a very special episode. Yes, a very special. Oh, you were going to say your name, weren't you? I'm Amy. That's Joe. Yes. This is a very special episode of Hanging with Mr. Cooper. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, very hey, am, I, am I Mr. Cooper? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Please welcome, without further ado, our guest, Mr. Cooper uh, from TV's Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Art Star. Just kidding. He's not up? really from what that up? show. This is yeah, Art Star from the Nerd School I, podcast. He's one of the guys. I wouldn't mind being from that show. I, I'd like some residual royalty checks. Did you like that show? It was all right. So, but I still, I, I, I want to check. So, some <laughs> some comedian in the nineties uh, or two thousands had some bit where he was making fun of special episodes of sitcoms, and he, I can't remember who it was, but they told us they were like they did an example of a very special episode of hanging with Mr. Cooper, and he was like, "Yo, I don't want to hang with you no more." It was just the whole thing, and it was and like just how ridiculous those are. And my brother Andy, who is on the Nerd School podcast, and I quote that at least once a week <laughs> so it just makes me think anytime i think a special episode of anything real quick art can i tell you something about a new drink i've been drinking tell me joe so, what is this new drink you drink <laughs> it's called i know you like to drink joe it I has want, to be something good because you love to drink joe i do love to drink beers i do love ipas i like hazy ipas so if you're a company that has makes hazy ipas and you want to send them to me uh, reach out. I will definitely uh, uh, and he put it will, in he will give you positive feedback. I will because I love almost Joe every loves to drink. But this is not an alcoholic beverage I want to talk to you about. It's called Magic Mind. And it's a tiny little shot. It takes me like two seconds to drink it. It tastes kind of like apples. It's a little green mixture. And I'm a smoothie guy. I like to make smoothies to be feel healthy. But this looks like a tiny little version of my smoothie. It's like a little shot. And you do oh, it. So you morning. don't have to mix it. You You don't know. It's already mixed. It comes pre-mixed. It's in a little bottle. And even the bottle is like biodegradable. It's like made of recycled materials. So they care about the environment, but it's a little thing. You got to shake it up. I usually shake it up, shoot it. And what it does is I don't need any more coffee after that. I usually have one cup of coffee. Then I have that. And then I don't drink the rest of my normal morning coffee when I have magic mind. It's called magic mind. Yeah. They sent me a bunch of it and I got to say it really helped. I have ADD. I don't know if you can tell Art Star from the Nerd School podcast. I can't tell. I can't tell. <laughs> I can't it's tell. unchecked completely. But this really helps me get stuff done and focus. I really uh, have to admit that. So I drink way less caffeine, which can be bad for you. Um, I get an energy boost. Anyway, I love this stuff. I, I can't believe how much less coffee I'm, I'm drinking. It's a little weird green shot. My daughter wanted it. And I said, no, you can't have it. It's for me only. Some of the stuff that is in it uh, are things like L-theanine, which I don't know what that is, but it helps increase focus and attention if it mixes with caffeine. So this doesn't even say stop drinking coffee. It mixes with caffeine. Um, so then that's, that's a plus. I actually have a discount code Art, that you can actually use. Go to www.magicmind.co slash ATL for American Timelines. Not Atlanta. ATL. American Timeline. Yep. 
HTTPS if you want to be secure, www.magicmind.co slash ATL. And my discount code is ATL20. That gives you 40% off a subscription. 40 got to do a subscription. That's a, that's a good deal. 40%. 40%. Most, com- most companies only give you 10. Maybe 20, but 40 40% is a ridiculous amount, and you can't afford not to do that. Art, I hope you I hope you wrote it down. I wrote it down, Joe. www.magicmind.co slash ATL and use the code ATL20 as your discount code. That said, this really is a special episode. I've been kind of teasing this for a while that you know we already covered August of 1955, but we got to the, the end of the episode and Emmett Till was next. And I was like, I can't just skim over that skim over that and a lot of times at the end of a month i just like rattle off the last three things that happened because we're out of time and i didn't want to you know do that just do that because this is such an important uh, event in history and i also want to talk about why it's important and what's important Mm -hmm. about it and i found when i was trying to explain it to my kids who both are teenagers who haven't ever heard of this case uh which you know, mm-hmm. tells you why we do have a serious problem in our schools is like they don't learn about this. So, right. I was, and but as I was ex- trying to explain it to them, I realized I got I'm not getting this all. There's a lot more to it. Uh, and then I started looking up stuff and then I got down another rabbit hole, another rabbit hole. I just kept looking up so many things. Uh, and to really understand it, I think we just need to talk about it. And that's why we have Art Star here uh, as a man with an african-american male's perspective is growing up not in the jim crow south because where he's he's not that old uh <laughs> he's close to our age but um <laughs> it, there's nothing that it kind of bothers me when it's you know when you look up a topic like this and you can the top three amazon books you find are written by a white person um mm. and so i did reach out to a few african-american authors to see if they would want to be guests and they haven't responded yet. Uh, they probably so, listened to another episode. And like, that's it. Mm. I mean, it's hard. <laughs> they they no, probably listen to that. It's like, no, I don't want to be on these idiots yeah, podcasts, yeah. but occasionally yeah, yeah. we're serious and this will be more of a serious one because it's hard to find anything to joke about about this. So all, all this is why we're doing this and why we're taking a little bit more time with this one event. So Amy, I think we on. should begin yes. with. Okay. Um, our, when did you hear about Emmett Till? Like, was it probably in um it's that definitely was in school yeah um i want to say high school okay but i've always been like the type that um i like i think i've said like the, the couple of times i've been on here you know i've told you guys that like growing up i was really into like true crime yeah or whatever but then also the first time i ever seen the image of it like i'm kind uh-huh. of squeamish I'm yeah. kind of a squeamish person. Yeah. So it was always hard for me to like look at it. Yes. But then also when I was in high school, you know, my mind, I, I didn't think about things too much. Like I did a lot of reading when I was in high school. Yeah. But like certain things like this, I'd read about it, but it wouldn't, I wouldn't see necessary. I would, I wouldn't feel the significance of it mm-hmm. as much. Yeah. You know, I was, while I was always, always you know i had this one on me and joe had a little thing i always said like i've always been a kind of like a smart kind of like booksy kind of person yeah yeah but it's still like one of those things where it's like okay this happened not really you know 
I know what happened, but it's one of those things where I was one of those kids where it's like, I know it probably should have affected me because it's history, but then it's yeah. also not something that I like dwelt on. Sort of held, yeah, it's yeah. held on to. But yeah. then like when I was when I was in college, like when I was in college, I did things like dealing with like slavery and lynching mm-hmm. as part of like my senior thesis. So mm-hmm. then that's when I started to see things more about like, you know, the Jim Crow South mm-hmm. and, you know, we see stuff like that in like movies, but it wasn't until I actually started doing research that I knew I, had, I was doing for myself and not because it was, even though it was for school, but it was just research that I was doing for myself because I was making work mm-hmm. based on this type of stuff. So it was, that's when I started to really take notice of, you know, like Emmett Till, um, Stuff that happened way before Emmett Till. Yeah. But um, well, just growing. Go ahead. I was just say Art is uh, from Baltimore, uh, mm-hmm. Maryland. And we had him on a previous episode. You might remember where we kind of talked about segregation and uh, or desegregation in a Baltimore school system. Art, did you go to a predominantly black high school? I did. You did? I did. And it's just weird. It's weird. I went. So when I was in elementary school, elementary school, it was mixed. Okay. Middle school and high school, it was predominantly black. Okay. When then I, I went I went to a community college mix. Art school was was just really an explosion. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of everything, right? Yeah, 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 really yeah. Mixed, yeah. Yeah, but like even in even in it's one of those things where it's like even today I don't think that like history is taught differently. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would assume, like, when my parents were in school, they probably learned more about this stuff. But, like, yeah. when I was in high school, this is something you would you would probably have heard about it. Like, yeah. maybe Black History Month. Yeah. yeah. You know, but other than that, it was just, like... Or just a oh, sentence. This, yeah, like, this a happened in history. In Let's <laughs> go on, you know? Yeah, and yeah, most of, yeah. So, most, most, most Black people generally probably got history like this from home. Yeah, yeah right? from their family, like you, right? Yeah, like you're like you're saying I'm from Baltimore, but like my father's side of the family is from the Carolinas. So okay. like my father's side of the family is from the South. Okay. So it's like growing up, like you knew about Jim Crow just because of you know family. Mm-hmm. But like they don't they never really taught Jim Crow stuff too much when I was going to school. In the in, like, maybe was, not, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was something you had to either learn on your own or you heard, you know, the, the way that, pe- like, Black people heard, you know, history growing up, you know, mm-hmm. three word of mouth or, like, someone like, yeah, well, you know, back in this day, we couldn't do this and we couldn't do that, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. and you had, to, you had to learn it through word of mouth because it wasn't taught in schools because right. yeah. school, there was such a whitewashed version of history taught. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A huge whitewashing and, thing. And, and yeah. I, 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 I put a lot of thought into really a lot of this one I keep trying to think about and in just in today's society I do a lot mm-hmm. of thinking about this with George Floyd and everything going on like I, I'm trying to understand instead of just screaming at the racists and yelling you know calling that asshole and the pieces of shit which you know we think of course we think they are I'm trying to like understand how do we solve this how do we do so by trying to figure out how to really figure out racism it's I mean it's a an age old problem that of course I'm not going to fix, but I, I struggle but, with like, what is, if I can find some shred of something that, Oh, this is where they, this is what's wrong. And if I just correct them, if they understand this, 
then they'll stop being racist horrible pieces of shit but it's so ingrained it's so it's, i just try to yeah. for me i just try to understand like look into like what are they being told like how do they get this way did is it just their parents and and did this happen to them like uh you know i've known different people who were were racist and certain ones that said that oh i was bullied and i was whatever yeah or this yeah. person did that you know always and, see, and that's, something. So I'm just and that's one understand. of those things that's one of those that's one of those easy things to do like okay i was bullied it's, it's like you're like just like not even not even on a racial thing like let's say when you're young and you bully someone and it's like oh like let's say for instance if i was to bully someone and yeah. i was the kid i'm yeah. bullying this person and this person like i don't know how to get back at him i don't know how to get back at him. you know what he's fat yeah. so i'm a that's what i'm gonna pick on i'm gonna yep. pick on the fact that he's fat so like mm-hmm. you fat motherfucker leave me alone kind of thing yeah so you have like these kids and it's like oh they're different than me yeah i'm being bullied i'm gonna pick on the difference in them. Yes. Man, it's, 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 yeah. It's like a circle, like they're picking on the bully's probably picking on him because he's different. And now yeah. his difference is him picking on him. Like, okay, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to point out his, I don't want to say it's a flaw, but I'm going to point out what's different about him. And nine out of 10 times, most of the time it's a race thing. So yeah. and yeah. it's easier to sit there and say, like, oh, you know, I don't like you because you're not. Yeah, Christian it, white male kind of yeah, thing. whatever. And it's the easiest thing to first of all just notice what's yeah. different and, and go right. to write that. There's also like you know, you have the 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 parent or the adult who sees the kid doing this and they don't call them out on it, right? So yeah. it, it just festers. So and don't when they teach get them. older, they get yeah. older, and like now it's like they still have this deep-seated rooted hate for this person, don't know why. Yeah, just knowing like oh, it just seems natural, and it just yep. grows and then it grows to the point like they're in their uh 20s and they're going around shooting people yeah because they look different because they're black yeah yeah, you think they're less than them yeah Yeah. and i mean just in the the way like the police treated george floyd you know Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. had hatred just hatred in their heart for him and like he in their eyes he's he's dehumanized yeah they 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 don't see him as a human i mean if you look back to birth of a nation i know i'm all over the place here i mean they portray (laughs) that the black man as the savage who's trying to get the mm-hmm, white woman mm-hmm. and they just ingrained that in american society and, and, and see and and but the, the flip side of that is uh white america shows you this right yep but then you have the the other races or black america it's like in defense of that it's like they're showing the, the quote-unquote savage going after the white woman Mm-hmm. Then you have the black people. They're sitting there saying like, "Oh, you know, back in those days, it was always like," and this 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 kind of ties into Emmett, Emmett Till, okay, right? So back in those days, black boys were always taught when you see a white woman walk by, yeah, either look down, yep. look away, no matter how old she is, yeah, even 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 the, the males, no matter how old they are, it's, yeah, yes sir, yes ma'am. Part of that culture was that the women were put on pedestals and they were uh, some sort of uh, idealization of, of what, whatever it means to be woman or to be female. They're, they were given this whole, like they're like queens, right? So like, you know, usually in a hierarchy where they're queens and kings, yep. you don't look at them. Like you look down, you, you know, so it was always, always kind of taught to mm-hmm. black boys 
don't look at white women. When white women was on the streets, you had to get off of the street. That was a way of life. And all a white woman would have to say was, that nigger kind of looked at me, assessed me. So we're talking about a way of life that uh, in this part of the country that was enforced by law. You know, like there, there, there even to, to this day, there's some people, older, older generations, yeah. who sit there, they have issues with interracial marriages. Yeah. You know, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to a black man marrying a white woman yeah. because yeah. of Jim Crow and Emmett Till and like, you know, we back in the day, we couldn't talk to a white woman because we like we literally we bat an eye at them and we would get lynched. Yeah. So like they still yeah. have that mentality. I think we should start the story though. Okay. Anyway, okay. So the Jim Crow South was after slavery was repealed, uh, there were different rules in the South and in the North. Um, mm-hmm. And then I looked into all this stuff with the Great Migration and how, and like Juneteenth, what we're all, a lot of people don't, still don't know what that is. Well, not now they do now because, you know, it's, 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 got it's, ice cream. it's recognized. <laughs> it's recognized. So now, you know, yeah. capitalism moved in and, yeah. well, know, it's a thing. well, just the fact that, yeah, so that in Texas, they didn't know, like they didn't know till right. later that slavery had repealed. And then, so I looked up even further into some of that and that, and I stumbled upon this whole thing. I didn't know that the Choctaw uh, Native Americans had African-American slaves later than a- even after all the slaves, you know, were, were finally freed, even after Juneteenth. And Texas wasn't the last one. Kentucky and Delaware were after Texas because the rules didn't apply for the North as much. And so mm-hmm. that's all the shit I didn't know. And they don't, again, they don't teach you. And that's not what critical yes. race theory is like that's all we want people to teach is the truth and what happened there's no critical race theory that says all white people are bad it's like acknowledge that this shit is way more uh effective i mean it affected long lasting and different things happen like people have no idea this stuff happened because we don't teach it we're not allowed to teach it anyway so back to the thing so that's um i had no idea about and don Cheadle is a descendant of the choctaw tribes uh slaves by the way um uh i I discovered that don Cheadle from the nerd school podcast so here we are in 1955 did you say from the nerd school podcast (laughs) yeah he he is a friend of the show uh, okay as we talked about he and i kind of tight yeah we interacted one time he rolled his eyes at me called me an idiot um (laughs) under his breath (laughs) which he was right so okay emmett till his family was originally from Mississippi and his mom, Mamie, uh, had emigrated in the great, uh, great migration. They had moved to Chicago, which Chicago was where a lot of people went. Uh, yeah. and so Emmett Till was born in 1941, but we're in 1955 and his mother, who was gorgeous, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. In old footage. I watched some, interviews of his mother um just heartbreaking stuff oh, his cousins and things um so august 20th emmett till arrives at a train station in granada mississippi where he's picked up by his relatives he's planning to stay with his mississippi relatives on his two weeks summer vacation yeah because his his it was his uncle or grandpa had come up to chicago for a funeral yeah it was grandpa moses mose Mose, yeah, that was his uncle. Um, um, that was his uncle, yeah, but it was yeah, his, 
the cousin that went with him, it was his grandfather. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, we're holding on. Moe's right. Uh, was his was his name? Yeah. Um, and he, so he ended up being real brave. I think a lot of people with the. I mean, shit, no, I don't you're, know getting where to get you're getting. I'm getting way ahead. Yeah, of get, it, so yeah, you're getting. Uh, so so Emmett Till goes down. He's going to go to Mississippi for the summer, mm-hmm. work in the cotton fields with, because uh, his, his cousin they were sharecroppers. And he was going to go down and do that. So it was this little tiny rinky-dink town in Mississippi, which is way down in the inner asshole of the south of the United the States. The inner asshole. The Bible Belt. Just. Oh, okay. Here, I've, then what the they were just orifice. And Moe's right is who they're staying with. And he, he was brave. He had walked away from his abusive father at 16. He worked farms in North Mississippi. He married, started a family. Uh, and then... Uh, when he found religion, he quit drinking. And he became a circuit riding preacher. He refused to work for white men who would fix the scales and shortchange him when his cotton haul was weighed. weighed. Uh, but most importantly, when he was 25 years old, he was drafted in the army in 1917 and he refused to serve on religious and moral grounds. He belonged to a church whose founder was in, in prison for speaking against military service. And he couldn't understand why he should help make a foreign continent safe for democracy when he believes his own wasn't safe, right. uh, at least for black people. Right. So uh, he was arrested. He spent 30 days in jail over that. So this is this is who Mose is. Um, and I think it's important to kind of talk about him a little bit, because I think he gets a bad rap for part of what happens later. Uh, so well, that's, that's what I want to talk about. And, and so later, I guess. That's that kind of ties all into the whole interaction between black and white, yeah. That you know allowed for him to happen. And so, while it was a bad rap, it was just something that was probably ingrained to him from a kid, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, everything he does is just yeah. as you said, what you're taught and what you're ingrained, what you know, you know, you can or can't do. Um, so anyway, they so, go yeah. down there in the summer. In the 75 years before Emmett Till set foot in Mississippi, more than 500 black people had been lynched in the state. Most were men who had been accused of associating with white women. And they, how, I don't remember how long they were there when this happened. So it, it, it didn't. It wasn't, he, it wasn't it, too wasn't, long. It, was, yeah. it wasn't too long. August 20th, the 21st is when they traveled. Uh, Wednesday, August 24th, uh, Till entered Bryant's Grocery and Meat Market in Money, Mississippi. This is according to the FBI timeline. So so they in had the been evening. working in the cotton fields and it was they were ready to be kick off. And and, that that and, was the thing. He, he wanted to go down and work He and because he wanted to be with his cousins and he couldn't wait. It's actually his, his cousin kind of talked his mom maybe didn't want to let him go right and his cousin talked him into going because we're gonna have so much fun we're gonna go see movies and hang out yeah we got to work during the day but we're gonna you know it's hanging out with your cousins so they go to this little tiny town called money and it's got this little grocery store called bryant's grocery and meat market run by the carolyn bryant dunham and her husband and these these are like huge rednecks yeah that run this place and um it's one of the only things on the street. It's one of the only things in the town. There's not much else. There's nowhere else to really go. Yeah. Uh, they were known for, uh, you know, according to their records, they did 
they sell sold to mostly black people um, and they would give credit to black, you know, poor black people. There was some animosity I read uh, in something we'll get to in a little bit uh, because they felt like some of the new laws uh, with welfare and things, they, the owners of the store had said they were upset because the government's giving black people free what we used to sell to them. And so we're on a hard time blaming that on black people yeah. uh, for having a hard time with their store, but they were, they, they didn't have money, but they owned it. He owned it with his uh, couple brothers and he would go work the, the uh, Roy Bryant, the owner would go work you know, he served the military, he'd go work for a couple of days in Texas and be out of town. And so they wouldn't trust uh, Carolyn, his wife, who also owned the store with him to be there alone. Like she'd have to go stay with her brothers uh, when they're out of town. That's kind of how protective they were of young white women at that time. Um, but it was, it was kind of weird. So they entered the grocery and meat market in Money, Mississippi. Carolyn Bryant Dunham uh, who she's now known as Carolyn Bryant Dunham. She'd been remarried. Uh, but she alleged that Till accosted her and exited the store. And Bryant followed Till out so she could retrieve a pistol from her car. And upon Bryant Dunham's exit, Till whistled at her. Apparently wolf whistled. Um, so there's different accounts yes. of what happened. And <clears throat> like she said that he grabbed her hand at one point that he grabbed her waist he at cornered one point, her and he was telling her that he'd been with white women before don't be scared and, and then all he this was stuff. bragging yeah um but that is probably not true and she later said she later in like in an interview and we'll get to that in 2007 you know kind of recanted that if that's that part true of it not. emmett was supposedly bragging to all these kids outside there was like seven or eight black kids outside the store uh and, and he was bragging about being with white girls in chicago yeah and i watched a yeah, he had a white girlfriend he had a white, yeah, girl. had a white girlfriend and i actually saw an interview with that girl uh that somebody found her in an interview and she was devastated that the whole thing happened and she said yeah he probably was referring to me i don't know if i was his girlfriend but i liked him he was cute all of a sudden she's an old woman talking about this now but um but she got choked up so many times trying to you know Mm -hmm. recall what happened and it's 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 just amazing the difference between carolyn bryant and a white woman in the north that doesn't have those same that same prejudice prejudice and hate it's just crazy but um so uh, you know they a lot of them didn't believe that he'd been with a white woman so he supposedly was egged on to prove that you know prove that you're that you're you know you can get a white woman whatever so you know we all know guys know that peer pressure to go and talk you know do a little more but this is all hearsay some of that it might not be true regardless none of its cause for murder but she said at the time or she testified that he cornered her tried to put his hands on her hips and you know was basically saying baby you don't have to you don't have to worry i know you know my way with a white woman and then that's when his buddies came in and like no this is this is the south you can't do this dragged him out and he whistled and while she's going to get her gun they took off and that was the end of the what he did supposedly wrong according um, to her according to her um that was again wednesday august 24th in the evening by saturday august 27th in the so evening, they go home and they they uh, he tells him don't tell 
that this happened. But yeah, so he was begging, begging them not to tell everybody not to tell anybody. His uncle. Yeah, don't tell your uncle. But they, you know, word started to get around. But they did, and you know what? And they didn't tell their uncle, and they regretted that because if they would have told him, they could have got him out of town. Right. Because he, the uncle, would have known right away. Right away, what to do? What to do? Yeah. So, so they think a couple days go by and nothing happens. So they're like, oh, well, maybe they kind of forget about it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden. So in those couple of days, that's when Roy, the owner, came back from Texas and allegedly he he is told on Saturday, August 27th, 1955, in the evening, a black teenager entered Bryant's Grocery and Meat Market in money and was verbally confronted by Roy about being from Chicago because he's 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 heard at this point through the kid from Chicago and the, the boy said he wasn't he wasn't the right person and the confrontation ended. Uh, sometime between Wednesday, right? Sometime between Wednesday and that Saturday, a black teenager was walking north from Money, Mississippi, when J.W. Millam, Roy Bryant, J.W. Washington, all came up behind him in a pickup truck. Oh, Washington, at Roy Bryant's direction, took and threw that kid in the truck and told Roy Bryant that that wasn't the right person, and he was released. So there were two other kids, at least, that they were trying to just find and figure out who it was. And J.W. Millam is Roy's brother, his half-brother. I think it's Milam. Milam? M-I-L-A-M? Yeah, I think. He's a heavyset, bald, white piece of... P.O.S. Piece of shit. Yeah, basically. Blowhard asshole. Basically has in his head, like, he's the guy at every, you know, every place he worked at handles the black people and and makes them respect people or whatever and and so he's a basically a piece You're of a racist shit. piece of racist shit. piece of asshole you yep. know sunday august 28th 2 30 a.m roy bryant and jw millen piece of shit came to mose Wright's home <laughs> east of money mississippi looking for the boy that did the talking in money mississippi till was taken from the home and someone with a lighter voice than a man's identified till as the right person as they left another man standing on the porch my dad talked about it. There was uh, another person in the truck because when they marched Emmett out to the truck and they asked the person inside the truck, is this the one? My dad said he heard a woman's voice identifying Emmett as the boy that did the whistling. Which insinuates that she was there. And later they they say that they were the only two. But yeah. that insinuates that she was there. But they could tell a woman's voice yeah. pointed out. So it had to yeah. be Carolyn's, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, telling them. Yep. Um, about 6 a.m. on Sunday, Willie Reed observed four white men and three black men in a truck with Till in the back, entering uh, Leslie Millam's farm. Milam, did you say it is? Milam. Leslie Milam's farm on the Clint Sheridan Plantation outside of Drew, Mississippi. Reed then heard the sounds of someone being beaten inside a barn. So Willie Reed, I got lost in who he is. And he actually... He's the one with the cataracts, right? In the, the he looked like he would, he was real dressed real stylish. I didn't see in him in a. I didn't I didn't see the same oh. documentary you did. But he was a kid at the time, right? And he, yeah, but yeah. He, he, but he, he left. Heard, he heard left. He had to leave Chicago after yeah. he testified. Changed his name. Leave uh, Mississippi. Yeah. Go to I mean, left Mississippi and went to Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and was very hesitant to ever go back. Um, but yeah. went back when they reopened stuff. Anyway. Um, 
But that's what threw me off when he saw four white men and three black men with Emmett. The other, guy, other two black guys were people who actually worked with him. Like they, they had like, to. They were being forced to. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they were. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Um, That's what I read too, is that they were being forced to. Okay. So I did. That. Yeah. Sunday around uh, 7 a.m., somewhere in the, around that time, Willie Reed came to Mandy Bradley's home and Bradley observed four white men in a truck by a barn at Leslie Millam's farm. One of the men was tall and bald. That we know who that is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Sunday by eight o'clock, Reed walked past a shed and an oat bin on Milam's farm and observed Leslie Milam and another man there. And then he later observed a fire in a barrel outside of Milam's home in Glendora, Mississippi. Yeah. So they burned all Emmett Till's clothes in the bar- in the barrel. Burning any evidence of them, yeah. um, which they admitted to in their confession. Sunday, August 28th in the morning. Um, the same people observed Otha Johnson, Jr., and Levi, too tight Collins, and Milam with Milam's truck at Milam's gas station store in Glendora. Those were the, the two black guys, I think, that was yeah. with them. They saw that something was under a tarp in the bed of the truck, and blood was dripping from the bed of the truck. Uh, when asked about the blood, Milam threatened him. And then they drove to Glendora Cotton Gin and then departed town. Um, by 10 a.m., Levi, too tight Collins, paid 25 cents to clean blood out of the back of the truck while it was parked by Milam's gas station store in Glendora. By 2 p.m. on Sunday, LaFleur County Sheriff George Smith questioned Roy Bryant about Till's disappearance. Bryant admitted to taking Till from Mosewright's home and bringing him to Carolyn at the store in money, and he further claimed that Till was then released and Bryant was placed under arrest. By Monday, Milam appeared at the LaFleur County Jail. Uh, and talked with Deputy John Ed Cothran and admitted to taking Till from Mosewright's home, taking him to Money, Mississippi, and then letting him go. Milam was placed under arrest. By Wednesday, August 31st, sometime in the morning, Robert Hodges discovered a body floating in the Tallahatchie River north of Phillip, Mississippi. The body was later identified as being Emmett Till. And it was be- the only way they could identify it was that he had his father's ring on. That was the only... Um... Of, he was unrecognizable because he had because been he had, so badly his face and he was, was in the water. And you can see these pictures online. And that's kind of what Art alluded to at the beginning was he's squeamish and it was hard for him to look at that. And I'm the same way. I'm very squeamish, but it doesn't look real. Like it looks it like a mask. Looks like it looks, yeah, kind of like Eric Stoltz, you know, in the mask. Like it's just, yeah, it's beyond what the mind can comprehend what happened to right. that kid. Um, his his body was recovered from the Tallahatchie River and transported to the Century Burial and Funeral Home in Greenwood, Mississippi. It was later transported to Chicago for viewing a funeral and a burial. His mother, um, when she got the um, body back in Chicago, it it was sealed in a pine box and it was sealed shut. And she was like, "Why isn't this?" why can't I open this? What, you know, I, I paid all this money to have this body. She had to fight because they were getting ready to bury. They him. wanted to bury. He, yeah. They were ordered, yeah. they were ordered, ordered by the to, sheriff to, to bury him immediately. Yeah. And so they were like, and she halfway fought. putting him in the ground. And when they were ordered then to stop. So she gets, she got mayor daily involved yeah. from Chicago. So, to, and she to paid stop all it. this money yeah. 
and then they and then they get it and it's sealed up and she's like how do i know what's even in there i i need to and um there was an order that the mortician was not to open the box oh i didn't see this part and she said do you have a hammer and he said well yeah i have a hammer why and she said well it nothing there's nothing says i can't open this box you need to get me your hammer so then he went and got her a hammer and she opened it and she described it i mean she said one of his eyeballs was hanging down yeah. and yeah. um she could see the other one was missing completely a bullet hole i saw a hole which i presumed was a bullet hole and i could look through that hole and see daylight on the other side and i wondered was it necessary to shoot it he had been beaten so badly uh he was swollen and then had been in the water for so long too that made it extra bad yes. she said she had been three blocks away and had smelled the worst smell she ever smelled and then she the closer she got realized it was emmett that emmett's body that she was smelling but all this is uh, goes to a lot of the reason why this is such an important and groundbreaking case if she hadn't done if she hadn't insisted if she hadn't gotten mayor daly involved and more people she talked to anybody she knew that could have any power at all to get them not to do that and they were they were going to immediately bury him well and then it she makes said, you wonder how many of these have happened like that and then know? they and then Crimes, they said, well, you, oh yeah yeah and then they said would well, you want us to clean him up she said, no, I want to open casket and I want the world to see what what they did to him. That's it. And That's the thing that made this different. Yeah. Her bravery and in doing that. And it, it, here's the thing. It's one of those. See, this is this is another one of those things where, like you said, it's her bravery in doing that. But now what she basically what she basically did was force people to look yes. to see. Yep. Yes. Right. Yep. These are things that that. You know, some of them like they don't, they wouldn't believe, can't believe. But like she's forcing you, like look at her son, like look what, look, look what they did to her son yeah. over hearsay. Like this same, happens same to Black like America with, all the time. That's, I know the same thing with George Floyd. Yeah. It, yeah, it was we were forced to see, we could not look away, and yeah. because there was a pandemic, and people had nothing else to do. Everybody, people will find whatever it is they can do to not have to face the uncomfortable truths in life. And, and, and even allies and people who aren't racist, it's uncomfortable. And they, we, mm. we wish it wasn't true and we want to just ignore it and get away and turn it off. Yeah. You know, we, when the news gets too uncomfortable and inconvenient for us, we want to turn it off and turn on a Marvel movie, you know, like right. we all do that. So imagine the people that have guilt, and somewhere inside know that they've done wrong and have participated in this and they know what's wrong and they don't want they won't face it because it's it's uncomfortable and so she because she did that and it forced a conversation and it sparked all these civil rights it sparked the civil rights movement as we know it i mean it inspired said, rosa spark rosa, rosa park um, Ro yeah uh, it inspired her to it inspired rosa rosa park said yeah. She had Emmett Till on her mind when she didn't give up her seat. There's all kinds of people that have said they were always passive before and they never stood up and said anything before. But that if I even heard interviews with them saying, if that can happen to a 14 year old kid, what won't they do? 
and we have no other choice but to kind of speak up and change. So, it, I mean, just think if it wasn't Mamie or if it was, yeah, or if she didn't do that, or and you wouldn't blame her for not doing all Going that. All you know that. what I mean? Nobody would blame her because how many of us would be tough enough to, you know, do all that and, and be strong enough? I mean, she even had, had said she believed that that happened for a reason and Emmett was born to do this. He was born to be the sacrificial lamb, of course, in hindsight. But so th- oh. that's kind of the big thing and why the Emmett Till is so important. So the widespread by September, the widespread condemnation of killing Emmett Till, both in Mississippi and across the nation, Roy Wilkins, head of the NAACP, called his killing a lynching, which it was, uh, and Mississippi's governor, Hugh White, urges a vigorous prosecution of the case. And see, that's the thing. Like, you had, like, these governors in the South, these sheriffs, um, people in power, they were always denouncing these things. Mm-hmm. But most of them, at nighttime, mm-hmm. went out there and put on a white sheet. Yeah. Yep, right? That's yes. it. Uh, it's weird that they were public. Yeah, they were publicly denouncing it. But who knows? Yeah, you're right. And that's in Mississippi. Um, oh, there was a whole, there was a, that sheriff, excuse me, was um, interviewed. Tallahatchie County Sheriff H.C. Strider. We never have any trouble until some of our southern niggas go up north and NAACP talks to them and they come back home. And he was, this was like a news interview. Ugh. And I just am like, God, how, how does somebody think that way? You know, like, so, like, I told you guys in the beginning how, you know, I researched a lot of these things for, like, my senior thesis in college. So, the stuff that I was reading, like, the shit was shocked me so much that it it was, I don't want to say it was hilarious, but it it had that, the audacity kind of thing in my head, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I I, I did this one um, drawing where, you know, these always talk about how, like, um, what they would do in the South is they'd go to church on Sunday. Then they'd get on the train because they heard in the next town there was a lynching. So you mm. have like whole families just got oh. finished praising God oh. on their way to watch them kill yeah. someone. Yeah. So I did, the, I did this drawing where there was like, you know, everyone had on these t-shirts that had nooses on them. Little kids had balloons. Because, like, they literally made picnics out of these journeys to go watch lynching. Yeah. Like, and they thought this was okay right after church. Oh. And I don't, it's it's just crazy. Like, of course we live in this hell that we live in. Like, that's where we come from. I mean, it's just insane. Uh, All right, let's keep going. So crowds estimated in size uh, from 10,000 to 50,000 at the Chicago funeral home. Uh, leaving in shambles. The burial was then postponed to September 6th to allow additional time for the public to view Till's body. Meanwhile, largely in response to the national attention the case attracted, powerful local people in Mississippi decide to use the use, uh, decide to use the upcoming uh, Bryant and Milam trial to send a message to outsiders. All five lawyers of the town of Sumner, Mississippi agree to defend Bryant and Milam. Meanwhile, yeah, just to send a message, you don't mess with Mississippi, I guess. Uh, meanwhile, Sheriff Strider states he is not convinced that that body pulled from the river was really Emmett Till. 
Yeah, and that then was their rumors started defense. swirling that he had chest hair and that boy didn't have chest. You and know, then it was that, a big yeah. that it was a big um big plot, denial. A big plot yeah. from the mom and the NAACP were plotting together and they had planted this dead body and it wasn't even a black person that was they had found and just like all of these crazy who does it sound like in today's yeah no kidding you know that everything is a conspiracy it sounds like the crazy right mm-hmm. um it yeah it's awful so a tallahatchie county grand jury indicted roy and jw for the murder and kidnapping of emmett till uh and conviction on either charge could carry the death penalty on September 7th, 1955. On September 19th, the trial of Roy Bryant and J.W. Milam for the murder of Emmett Till opens in Sumner, Mississippi. By the end of that day, an all-white, all-male jury is selected. And that, that's the other thing. It's just maddening. Uh, September yeah. 20th, 1955, testimony begins in the Emmett Till murder trial. More than 70 reporters and photographers crowd the small courtroom for the opening of the trial. Moe's Wright and Till's mother both testified for the prosecution. And it was segregated. And the, the black journalists had to sit in the segregated sections with and it was much further away from the jury. Like it was just like everything, you know, they try in every barrier they can put. They try to put. Yeah. Uh, September 21st, the state presents three surprise witnesses, all African-Americans who testify they saw Milam and others around a barn or heard whipping and hollering from inside the barn on the morning of the day till was believed murdered. And like, that's another thing is you don't know how rare this was. Yes. That African-American would be brave enough to testify in a murder to testify in the South because they know Mm -hmm. they got to leave, you know, their, their life is over as they know it. Mm -hmm. Um, So just the bravery there that, so many of us wouldn't have the balls to do. Um, well, I guess this ties into your whole Uncle Moses redemption part, right? Yeah. When he was in the courtroom, when he actually identified them, where, you know, that. Oh, uh, the that's the big. Had, yeah, right. Yeah. That's the big moment. He actually, that, actually pointed them out. It was yeah. like, you know, I guess in that moment, like, that's one of those things, like, like I say, he, it was ingrained in him when he was young. So at the moment when he let them take him at, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, you let Master do what Master gonna do. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll they're gonna rough him up. He's gonna come home, kind of thing. That could have been going through his mind at the time. Like, okay, yeah, he'll be back. You know, they just want to talk, rough him up a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. this is this will be a learning lesson for him because you know he's from up north. He don't he doesn't know any better kind of thing. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, and even some of the different accounts of this story when you look it up, even just. The way they portrayed him pointing out who did it mm-hmm. uh, is is re- retold in a racist way. He said them over thar and they spelled run. And his family said he didn't say it like that. He never spoke like that. You know, it's just like even that depicting that moment, they can't do it honestly. Well, usually, um, when it comes to race, there's always you know the the offending partner, a part mm-hmm. the offending party trying to create their own narrative to fit what they feel would make them look good that's or just help it. defend their cause yeah that's just it yeah um uh september 22nd 1935 the state rests in the murder trial the defense begins presenting its witness witnesses carolyn bryant testifies outside the presence of the jury for some reason sheriff strider testifies that he thought the body pulled out of the river had been there from 10 to 15 days far too long to be that a- 
of Till. An embalmer testifies that the body was bloated beyond recognition, uh, so sowing doubt. By September 23rd, 1955, after the defense presents a series of character witnesses, closing arguments are presented in the Bryant-Milam trial, and after about an hour of deliberating, the jury returns a not guilty verdict. From September to October 1955, hundreds of thousands of people, mostly in northern cities, attend rallies protesting the verdict in the Till murder trial. In Mississippi, however, membership in segregation supporting white citizens' councils skyrockets. November 9th, 1955, a LaFleur County grand jury refuses to indict Bryant and Milam on kidnapping charges, and the two are released from custody. So not even kidnapping do they get convicted of. Right. Because... He Emmett was less than like they're yeah. not yeah. gonna they wouldn't have charged him with kidnapping even in the Jim Crow South. He, it because doesn't the, count. He because, was justified because they said minds. that the the least the smallest sentence you could get for kidnapping was like ten years, and in their minds they couldn't see putting them away for ten years just for kidnapping a black boy. Is in is what they said. Is what they're, oh God. So January 4th, 1956, Look Magazine published a story about the Till case, which includes excerpts from an interview conducted by Bradford Huey of, uh, and he interviewed Bryant and Milam. The two men now protected by the double jeopardy clause admitted to killing Emmett Till and throwing his body in the Tallahatchie River. And this was the thing I had to look up because, I mean, as you know, throughout this podcast, I despised our court system and the law system being that it's clearly set up for rich people, Yeah, you know, yeah. and, you know, rich people can just bail out and just yeah. afford the best lawyers and get off. Well, they don't even get pulled over. Yeah, there's never any. I mean, it doesn't. So I yeah. already like think it's ridiculous, but I don't, you know, I've heard of double jeopardy, but I've never really paid that much attention. Then I looked it up and just like the f- double jeopardy. It's fucking ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. No, but you have to have it. You can't. You got to have some form of it. Yeah. But that these guys can go ahead and just admit it in an article right. and say we did this now. And there's nothing you can do about it because double jeopardy is a thing. Yeah. Um, and then you wonder just how, like, not to say that they were dumb, but the fact that they knew this, yeah. that they can get away with, you know, this is like, there's that other, like, who coached them, who was coaching them. It's yeah. Like, hey, well, you know, you got off. You can say whatever you want now because they yes. can't try you again. Somebody had to tell them and explain that yeah. to them because these guys aren't the brightest. No. Um, but I've looked up the double, je- you know, other countries that have the double jeopardy, and that there are other countries have come up with other stipulations and things that have changed. I I had a whole little piece of paper about the double jeopardy law and all the what countries it has that you know. But I was like, <laughs> I lost wherever that is. But it's just like. It's just frustrating how it's just always unfair. Um, I didn't talk about, we didn't talk about Jet Magazine. That was part of the, part of what, where um, Emmett's mom, Emmett, Emmett liked to be called Bo, Bobo, but his mom uh, posted these, these the pictures of him in Jet Magazine. And that's kind of how it got so much coverage because uh, they published it. Yeah. Um, so that was a important thing. Not, not something I'm talking about Look Magazine. Anyway, so I didn't realize at one point I was reading this this article from Look Magazine where it was their confession. I had I didn't realize that's what I was reading, and and so that account of it really, I mean, although they admit to doing it, they're still awful. It really 
really like kind of paints a backstory of how you know what a great guy these what great guys what hard workers these guys were mm-hmm. and how emmett was real you know smug and he wouldn't he wouldn't Joe. admit he was wrong so and I, did, did you really think about his father about emmett's father emmett's yeah. father or roy's father emmett no so his father was killed what you say he was born in 41 two years after he was born right oh that's right his he was father, two yeah, his father was overseas. His father got executed in the army because they supposedly he had raped two white women. Ugh. Yep. So it was like after this trial, you know, they you know, just like America does, not even America, the world does now. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. this person did something. Let's try to discredit him to point him as, as a bad person. Let's dig into their history. And bring up all this other stuff. Yeah. It doesn't even matter what's going on. Yeah. But like after this, they just started posting stuff about his father. Like, yep. oh, I guess it's genetic kind of thing. Like his father did. His mm-hmm. father, you know, like yeah. his mother didn't even know. She didn't even know what had happened to his dad. Yeah. Kind of like, what she didn't know. Same they thing. actually went to find that they went to find the lawyers went to find out what happened to his father and how he got you no know, what had like I guess he got dishonorably discharged. It was like some sort of court martial he had, but like they figured out how and why it happened. And it's like, because supposedly, you know, yeah. he raped these two white women in Italy. But it's like one of those things where it's like, here's a black man, yeah. here's a white woman. And, know, and that would have been, been 1943 like right. or something around that time. Yeah, but it's one of those things where it's like, you don't know what happened. It could have been like, they could, you know, it could have mm-hmm. been like, they were all lovers or something. It, but it just so happened, it's like, oh, yeah. This yeah. white, this black guy with this, he's raping her. You know, yeah. no trial, just string him up. They just try to bring thing. out all this stuff just to discredit and right. say that you know, right? Same thing they still do with George Floyd. All you mm-hmm. heard about, oh, what a criminal he was, and well, he wasn't a great guy, and you know, you're who look who you're defending. Oh, you're naming this after somebody who was such a terrible person, and even the one like who was the one a few years before George Floyd that was just selling cigarettes. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you start forgetting their names. There's so Gardner. many. Eric, yeah, Eric Gardner, you know, and then everybody say, oh, you don't know who you're talking about. You know what he did? And they just try to dehumanize them right. to yeah. just distract. And, 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 and some of them, the same ones, have very bad backgrounds themselves, you know, like yeah, yeah. The, the narrative, it doesn't fit their narrative. So like, mm-hmm. when I'm not the one on trial, they are. Right. Right. So when they published this article in Look Magazine, it was kind of billed as the the only time you'll ever hear what really happened and the truth. But and they do tell it, but it's a different telling. And there's a lot of the stuff is missing. The whole barn uh, where they beat him is missing. Um, And they say he was like being smug and tough and he wouldn't apologize and that's when they got frustrated which oh, they i don't said think that is he, they said that he was telling them that he had white girlfriends yeah right yeah and then he kept saying oh don't admit you're not that's better it, you're it, not it. better than me that's and he right. said, no, i'm, I'm just or as something. good as you yeah or something, or something like, that. like that's why they had to kill him and you know his family was saying he was crying when he left he wouldn't have done something like that um so it's just it's frustrating um 1957 there was an unsuccessful attempt uh to assassinate sheriff strider who has come to be viewed by many african-americans as the biggest villain in the till case in part due to publicity about the tills till case 
Congress passes the first Civil Rights Act since Reconstruction. Dogs are dogs are fighting. They're playing, <laughs> knocking everything over. They're yeah, wrestling. Um, okay, 1962, Bob Dylan recorded a song called "The Death of Emmett Till." 1980, John Milam dies of cancer at age Mike 61. Also wrote a poem. Oh, he did. Uh, Mississippi, 1955. It was called, and it was about Emmett Till. It's not on this timeline, so it didn't happen. Roy Bryant died in 1994 of cancer at age 63. I did, you know, I did read up about both of them and that I think they both pretty much died miserable and poor and on, you know, down on their Good. luck. So at least they didn't, but that's not anything. They should have, but there's no yeah. sentence. And then, and then, I don't know, it starts to get into religion. And I think that's a lot of why people didn't retaliate is there's a lot of people that believe What's the scripture thing that says, uh, I will. Uh, what, turn the other cheek or something? No, where, where God will get the uh, punishment, will do the punishment. The, I will, I can't remember. They kept quoting it and thinking, of course, I already, I'm terrible at religion. Um, and so basically, they just believe it's not up to us for vengeance. For vengeance. God God. Will, God, God will get the vengeance. Um, and just really believing in religion really got a lot of these folks through it and yeah. i don't know how i don't uh, i don't well, it's faith it's, it's believing yeah faith yeah. and believing in the higher power and, and yeah. believing that like you said like they know that in the like in the afterlife these guys will get what's coming to them kind of thing yeah they'll get what theirs and i think that's sometimes sadly all you that's can. why a lot of people don't know necessarily it's like that's why you have that whole thing like do you believe in death penalty or don't you believe in a death penalty yeah. because like yeah if, if they if you kill them they don't really suffer whereas if you let them rot in jail for the rest of their life they they suffer so it's, yeah it's I know. crazy and turn the other cheek and um but you can see why if you didn't believe in religion or that there will be some punishment somewhere that you how could you crazy. live in this world how could you live in this awful world that you believe it's yeah. for something otherwise it's this is hell you know yeah. like oh my mm -hmm. gosh uh, 2004, the Justice Department announced it's reopening the Till case to determine if anyone other than Bryant and Milam was involved, and if so, whether they should be prosecuted under federal law. And so a lot of people wanted uh, Caroline, 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 Caroline Bryant to be charged for lying, you know, especially if they, mm -hmm. she admitted later, apparently that she was lying. But it, it it wasn't on the tape that it was an interview yeah, but they, they didn't, didn't have get that, the, that part on the tape they didn't have that recorded and you know again with this double jeopardy you can reopen a double jeopardy if you can prove you've got new, new evidence. evidence i guess new and that's right, kind of yeah. what they try to do um <laughs> stop barking in 2005 uh emmett till's body was exhumed and autopsied <laughs> Uh, to again identify him because people were still at that time by 2005 still saying it wasn't him probably the birthers the birthers yeah that's it and then february 2007 the lafleur county jury composed mostly of african-americans finds no credible evidence to support the claim of a documentary film producer that up to 14 people were involved in the till kidnapping and murder um wow 14 people that's what they thought and so they couldn't find any evidence and can you imagine trying to find evidence in 2007 from something yeah. that happened in 1955? Well, see, um, the, the, th the thing with that is, like, you know, now we have things that we can do with DNA that we couldn't do 
back yeah. in those days. Right. So, you know, it, it was probably still hard, but it's not as hard as it would have been like if you tried to find it five years after the fact, as opposed to like, you know, we're in the 21st century now. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just crazy. But DNA now can do so much. So, yeah. But what, but what can you prove? Um, so in 2017, author Timothy Tyson released details of a 2008 interview he did with Carolyn Bryant. He claimed that during the interview, she disclosed that she had fabricated parts of her testimony at the trial. And Tyson said that during the interview, she retracted her testimony that Till had grabbed her around the waist and uttered obscenities saying that part's not true. Uh, the jury didn't hear Brian's testimony at, at the trial as the judge had ruled it inadmissible, but the court spectators did hear it. Uh, the defense wanted Brian's testimony as evidence for a possible appeal in case of a conviction. In the 2008 interview, the 72-year-old Bryant said she could not remember the rest of the events that occurred between her and Till in the grocery store. She also said, quote, nothing that boy did could ever justify what happened to him, unquote. Tyson said that Roy Bryant had been abusive towards Carolyn, and it was clear she was frightened of her husband, and Tyson believed Carolyn embellished her testimony under coercive circumstances. And Bryant described Milam as domineering and brutal and not a kind man. Um, uh, so there's something about this. This interview was sealed, and he really felt like Carolyn Bryant um, kind of treated the interview as a as like a confessional, like she was trying to get it off her chest. So you could tell she felt mm -hmm. guilty. Um, and, but apparently it's the details of the uh, interview are sealed until 3036 for some reason. Um, it's in the FBI has it, whatever it is, it's sealed oh. for some reason. Hmm. So 3030 or not 3036. I say 3036, yeah, 2036. 30, 30, 30, I was gonna uh, say. So yeah, 3036. <laughs> we'll, we'll all be aliens on another planet. But uh, but by 2036 is right around the corner. So stay tuned. We'll do another episode in 2036. I've <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but I think that's I have like eight more tabs open that i could go into other stuff but, but it's been an hour i think that's operate. the gist of it i mean yes you could really fall down a lot of rabbit holes on this but again the biggest thing is without mamie doing this it wouldn't have sparked, sparked the civil rights the movement. civil the civil rights movement as we know it i mean it but then also would have but it something would have slower it wouldn't have been as quick but yeah yeah but then also finally this year uh biden just signed in that's it MCO yeah you anti-lynching act yes Yes. So, oh, just this year. Which just this year, it's now illegal yeah, actually, to lynch. Actually, a couple of months ago. Yep. Yeah, it was just. Yeah, that was the other thing. I had that somewhere. Um, yeah, it says the act amends the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crime mm -hmm. Prevention Act and mm -hmm. prior hate crime law to define lynching as an conspired, bias-motivated offense, which results in death or serious bodily injury. Yes. yes. Yep. And it's, it's crazy that something like this just gets passed in 2022. I know. Right? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. I remember, like I said, going back when I was doing research, like most of my research was basically around lynching, right? Yeah. yeah. And I want to say, I used to know the numbers by heart, but like between like 1862 and like 19, uh, I want to say 50 something, 
there have been over 4,500 oh African God. Americans went. Mm. You know, and it was it was it was it's insane. Cra- and, and this is this is what they knew of. This yeah, just of what you know of. Right. Yeah, right. Oh my God. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's crazy that this is, and there's probably people that that think this is a waste of time. You know, they're like, oh, why are they passing that? There's that doesn't happen anymore because people want to believe what they want to believe. It's it's crazy. Like, bullshit, it doesn't happen anymore. I know. All right, it's time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. Yeah, well, thanks for listening to this very special episode. Emmett Till is important to really, really talk about and not gloss over and Nobody's trying to indoctrinate anybody. We just want to talk about the truth and what has really happened. And if we all just take a second and listen and realize what our history is, you could learn from it. And it's important. It's right. You got anything important? Any high horse things to say, Aim? High horse things. Yeah, like me. I was my <laughs> speech. Art Star, what about you? You got any last no, messages for American Timelines listeners? Um, I believe in equality. We all should believe yes. in equality. Yes. <laughs> Quality should be ingrained in everyone's head. That's yes. right. And I I guess I just get discouraged because history just always goddamn repeats itself. And right. it's just every time I look at history, I can I can see these clear parallels to things that are happening today. Yeah. And it just it just boggles my mind. It I mean, how many parallels like, did we already make to something that just happened with George Floyd? I know. I mean, it is. It's just sad. It's like it doesn't. Some things just take forever to change. I know they're going to change because you can't stop progress. You can only slow it down. And I know. Are you sure that's true? Yes. I keep telling myself that we you can't stop. Once the momentum is there for progress, you can't stop it. It just so marijuana will be legal. Yes, I I think marijuana will be federally legal. Blaze it up. Let's blaze it up, Art Star. 420. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. And uh, thanks, Art. Yeah. Thanks, Art. No problem. No problem. Glad to be here. here. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No problem at all. Um, I feel special. I feel special to be on America. Be on the, on the, um, I don't want to call it the home show. The, um, it's like I'm in the, I'm in the show, like the major leagues. The mama show. It's the show that started the history for jerks. Kind of. Yep. Well, thanks for listening, okay. everybody. Uh, yes, thank you. And it's time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. That's the end of this episode. Rate, review, subscribe. Listen to Nerd School, starring Art Star. And uh, check out the Gruffin Loud show on YouTube. This episode included audio clips from the following YouTube channels Mamie, Till Mobley, 60 Minutes, and American Experience. Truman Ego Trip is the greatest band of all time. Buy their music.